This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another episode of the number one AOC Wimbledon podcast, the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Uh, later on in the episode, we will be joined by the ex-Wimbledon player, Lewis Taylor, who is currently at Chipstead. Uh, we'll be talking to him about his time at Wimbledon, what he's up to now, his favourite games and stuff like that, and we'll be taking him back on the journey of Wimbledon. Uh, but first off, let me introduce the one and only Danny Baker. Danny, how are we? We good? Yeah, mate, I'm all right, actually. Yeah, not too bad. Bit of a, It's always a bit of a weird one. And to be honest, I know we played Wickham, but I class it as a clear weekend because I think the competition's just farcical, to be honest with you. I don't enjoy the EFL trophy stuff at all. I think the way it's run and everything else, I know a lot of people agree. So it was kind right. of a, a... I watched the game fleetingly, which was relatively boring. It felt like a right. complete dead rubber, which it was. Um, yeah, so... I, I, yeah. I disagree to a certain point regarding the EFL trophy. Okay. I said, I, don't get me wrong, the under 23 teams, I, that's far school. Get yeah, them, that's crap. Get rid of them. That, that needs to go as soon as I'm not one of these B team boycotts, though. I think Saturday, I, I won't bother. I went out and done other stuff because yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it should, <laughs> it's, a, it's a night tournament, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. I, I think it helps with regards to, I don't think there should be any rules that you have to play nine players that played Agreed, on Saturday, definitely. whatever. I think you use your squad as you want on it. You can put youth team players in it. It's an EFL. It's not the FA Cup. It's not the Carabao Cup. I actually think there is a place for it as it was previously before okay. they made down the 23. Against Wickham, we got some good uh, minutes out of players. Do you know what I mean? We put players in uh, and I think it should be used for that. And I actually think more games kind of like that. I know people say more football, more football is just killing players and players getting tired. But it is there to play the 15-year-old who come on. What a day for him to come on and play a game. Do you know what I mean? 15, our youngest ever player. And I think it should be used for stuff like that. And yeah. but Surely, though, you can just do a behind 
closed doors friendly and get exactly the same experience. But it's I know a day it's not... out of Wembley if you get to the final, and that's why it used to be a really good tournament yeah. when it was League One, League Two. Do you know what I mean? And but I just think for me, I understand it from your the angle that you're putting at it. I get it. My concern is for small squads. Um, it's a pain in, for me. It's a pain you in have the to play your youth. Do you know what I mean? Play a couple of these. You yeah, like we have. We put three youth team. We got fifteen year old, sixteen year old, seventeen year old coming on. It's good for them. They're playing at football against men. But again, though, but, yeah, but on that though, are they playing against men? If everyone's doing the same thing, you're no, going to have yeah. Yeah, a it. whole bundle of the kids playing against other kids, and the the badges of the world, it, you know, will go. But it just for me, it's it, never it, been like that though, Dan. Before and it was always a good tournament. You know what I mean? Peter won it a couple of times, and I've listened to sport with Dara and he, he he was chuffed that they won it and I think if we won it back in the day don't think people care too much about it now but yeah I agree one thing I wanted to bring up with you Danny is the uh, big talking point of the week uh, yeah. obviously Wimbledon again love to kind of piss off the Wimbledon fans as they do yeah. uh, the decision for Crawley to be changed from a Saturday to a Friday yeah. I know it's a bit of a split I don't up. know the reason why why is that they didn't say, they just said, we hope Wimbledon fans, well, we hope we have the understanding of the club. It's uh, the fans, it's a mutual uh, agreement between the clubs and the EFL. For me, it's a bit stupid. Saturday is, I know it's two days before Christmas. We've got four days in 10 days, but these fixtures come out in June. We knew that, it, and also the Christmas period, always busy. What's this thing about, oh no, we're playing four games in 10 days. We've always played. We always do. It's, it's a... and, and we were talking about there, Wickham, we've got a big squad now. You use your squad accordingly if Johnny Jackson don't do that that's on Johnny Jackson I just think that we should have been playing Saturday the big thing for me mate is the fact like you said we knew about this in June <laughs> if you wanted to change the fixture why have you not changed it some in people July, booked... August, September, October, November some people have booked flights to get Trains, to the games yeah. all that kind of nonsense from, from a logistical point of view that, uh, from a purely individual point of view it doesn't affect me at all if I want to go I'll go if I don't I don't it's that close I can't go now on a Friday but that that's the problem i don't unless it's televised it seems to be a really weird choice i'm not having this argument as well everyone said are oh, there six games now have been changed and they've done it so that's probably why and it's also to give players an extra day's rest it's like well it's only one day do you know what i mean is it that big of a di- we but were playing these amount of games over christmas but that's fine though that argument i totally get but change it in September, October, November. Don't change it in November 22nd. Change it in August. Have a chat with Crawley in August and go, right, you know, FA coming. Basically, they're probably, maybe it's the fact that we both weren't, we, we, they have kept it because we weren't in the FA Cup. But the FA Cup's what, 4th of, Fourth of December, mm. I think I'm with you. I think they needed to, if they're going to have that conversation, they've got to have it earlier. So, from a personal perspective, it doesn't bother me in terms of the, the logistics, but from a fan and from a general football point of view, I feel that's a nonsense of a, a really poor decision that they could have easily have done a lot earlier. But it, it, again, it just annoys me that the, the statement that was put out weren't great again, just what we hope the fans understand without actually any reasoning why. If they have gone, we've made this decision because we feel Johnny Jackson, we we spoke to Jackson, we spoke to the management team and they feel that that extra day will benefit us. On a, everyone would have gone, oh, well, okay, we'll get it. But just to go, yeah, we've moved it from Saturday without really consulting the owners again. And I know we can't consult owners on everything. We can't be consulted on everything. Do you know what I mean? But they could have said... Do we know who we've got? Is it the fact that... Then we've got Sutton. Then we have... I mean, mean, the other way, before... I'm just going to quickly look up while I'm here. Who we had, who we'd have before Crawley? Because obviously, if if we're talking about... 
We've got Notts County. No, we've got we've got Salford away on the 16th. Yeah, I'm going. And on. then, yeah, so we've got the 16th, which is why it's weird. We've got 16th, we've got Salford away. And then we've got, it just seems weird. We've got 16th, we've got Salford away. Then we haven't got anything at all until Crawley away. And then we've got four games in 10 days. Which means, to, yeah, then we've got my problem is, Boxing look, Day, 29th. What's, why, why do people keep wanting to change the Christmas calendar as well? It's been like this for hundreds of years. I actually enjoy the Christmas calendar. I love the fact that we play four games in 10 games. These are professional footballers who won't train that much, but they'll play a lot of football. And they're probably going to get Christmas Day off now because we're playing... You know what I mean? We're not going to be training that much. Be light session. Do you know what I mean? Just suck it up. Some of these footballers just do my nothing. Wimbledon fans are saying, yeah, I agree with it. Do you know what I mean? Why are we playing these amount of games? No, no, this is the football calendar. This is the Christmas calendar. Do you know what I mean? We're not in Germany. We're not in Italy. We're not having a winter break. Just suck it up. Your professional footballers go out there and play football four games in 10 days. I would play every... If I was good enough, I'd play every day of the week. I mean, the thing that's interesting, Liz, it, it is the same. I, I'm not, again, a break of sorts but what I would I personally I don't think you need to have football between boxing I don't think you need the 29th game I think you can have a boxing day game and you can play on the 2nd or the 1st of December of, of January I don't see the I don't see the need for the game in the middle but what I would say it is the same for everybody so yeah. this is like it's not like a case of oh it's 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 this it's not helping everybody. Everyone's in the same boat. So the moaning is a bit pointless. See, but, I, I, um, yeah. I, I think the game in the middle is fine. I think Boxing Day is fine. The game in the middle is fine. I just don't think we need a New Year's Day game. Have the, well, well, especially well, I, the I way it's like the, four, the four games in 10 seems mad. Why are we it playing, seems yeah. that yeah. I'd rather Christmas. spread out a, mid, a midweek game in March or whatever. I yeah. think it's... Why, we're playing in Christmas. We're playing Boxing Day. Then we play 29th. Then we play the 1st. <laughs> I get what you mean. Like, why can't we just play the 29th or the 30th, which is a Saturday? Play the 30th, the Saturday, and just don't have the game on the New Year's Day. And yeah, let everyone have a good New Year. Do you know what I mean? But football authorities don't do that. And as I said, it's always been like that. They used to play on Christmas Day, for crying out loud, back in the day. One I don't agree with at the moment is there's a lot of them, and it's nothing to do with us. It's Premier League and Scottish League. They're playing on Christmas Eve, which yeah, I think is mad if you've got to travel. The Wolves game, in it? travel up and down the country to watch a game and you've got to travel on Christmas Eve you might not get back till Christmas Day and you're going to miss Santa coming down the chimney do you know what I mean so well wow. right anyway should we uh, should we move on and get our guest on yeah really to looking forward to speaking to one a player that I really enjoy watching um, really enjoyed the energy and, and the kind of combative nature um, that he brought to the team if that makes sense hmm. I think he's going to be an interesting listen yeah, I agree. And as I said, I I met him once. Uh, really nice lad. Really good to speak to. Uh, really engaging. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking to him. So let's get uh, Lewis Taylor on the podcast. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. Welcome back, and I'd like to introduce our guest for the episode, uh, ex-Wimbledon player, Lewis Taylor. Uh, Lewis, how are we? We good? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Very well, very well. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us and joining us tonight. It's really appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
It's nice to see you not at a wedding, Lewis. Nice to see you not. At, just so the, the viewers who, who don't necessarily know me and Lewis caught up. One of one of my good mates at work is Lewis's annoyingly better mate than mine, um, <laughs> Malzy. Uh, went to a wedding. Lewis's dancing is not quite as good as his football, which is a right result, to be honest with you. Um, but what, what? So, Lewis, tell us at the moment then what what are you up to, um, and how's it going? Before we get into that, can I just say that your playing skills of those games weren't very good either. Danny's always talking about what a good sportsman he is, to be fair. I am an excellent sportsman. There were a few games that were there at this wedding, and I'm telling you, Danny wasn't very good at them. I'm just throwing it out there. My wife wife beat me. You know the little cornhole when you throw it into the little hoops? Yeah, Yeah, my wife beat me, and Lewis was looking at me. He gave a few. Do you know, he's, he's one of these people that it's really annoying because he just picks up up like really really easily so like yeah that would do and I was doing like you know like the cornhole when you got to throw it into little little goals or whatever it is <laughs> I went for the old no look like you know what what's his name who's the dart play we went for the no look dart I went for it missed it Lewis sort of did it got it straight and I was like you get you like Look annoying. a bit like Peter Manley as well, to be fair. So okay, that's out of order. That's right, out of order. Don't laugh at that, Lewis. He does crap jokes all day. Um, so what are you doing now? What's where is your football world at the minute, and how's it going? Yeah, so I'm currently at Chipstead FC now. Um, so they're sort of step four, Ismian South Central, um, and I'm sort of edging into like the sort of new area for me now. So I'm sort of like a player manager sort of thing. Um, so I'm doing that with, um, funny enough, Mousy is is one of the coaches alongside myself, and then Dean Samets, the uh, you know manager, along with me. So it's me and Dean as the manager, and then Mousy's the you know the assistant. So, um, but I still and playing um, a little bit as well. When when the body allows me, shall we say. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. How easy is it, obviously, for play? You're in a really weird headspace and the fact that like you're still playing a bit, but you've got one eye on the future. How, how has football helped you get ready for that sort of next step? And how do you as a person, it must be mixed memories or mixed messages where you're like, my body's had enough, but I kind of still like playing. How How is... How do you get into the next step for you? How were you supported by Wimbledon or other clubs to allow you to coach? How does it work for you? Yeah, so I think for me it was always something, you know, probably not so much when I obviously first started sort of my um, men's sort of football, but definitely sort of as I was getting to sort of the twenty six, twenty seven um, um, yeah, sort of age, I was it was always in the back of my head that you know I'd like to, you know, obviously my main thought was my playing as long as I can. That was my main goal, but it was always in the back of my head that I would love at some point to, you know, delve into that sort of side of, of the game as well, whether that would be as a, as a coach, um, you know, as assistant or, or, you know, the, the main sort of guy and, and manager. Um, so I think, yeah, from sort of like 26, 27, I've, I've, I've obviously started to over the years, get, get my badges, um, I've also obviously, you know, worked under and for a lot of, you know, very, very good sort of non-league managers that have been very, very successful. So I feel like for that as well, I've taken a, a lot in, which I think is is stepping me in the right direction. Of course, I've got my own my own ways, my own style. So sort of my team behind me. Um, and like I say, for me at the minute, I'm still, I'm still in that little bit of a phase where I get involved you know, the management side of it as much as I need to, but I try and keep myself as a sort of player as well, because I'm a strong believer that it's very me personally. And, and obviously I know people have got 
other views and, and, and there has been successful people out there to do it. But I find it very hard to be a manager and a player. You have two different um, yeah. sort of areas of where, you know, as a manager, an out-and-out manager, you, you obviously have that different sort of relationship and, and sort of respect, if you like, for the players. Whereas as a player you get a different sort of respect and relationship and the way they look at you. So um, for me, it's, yeah, I'm, I must admit, it's um, that's a little bit sort of where I'm trying to get my head as well, just that transition. But if I'm being totally honest, you know, I have been saying it for the last couple of years, but this, um, I'm 99.9% .9 sure this will be 100% my last season oh, actually, okay. with the boots on. Um uh, and that really goes back to sort of a point you made right at the start there, Danny, to be honest with you, it's it's more the body now. I think the body's sort of saying to me, look, you know, you've you've done what you've done. Um, it's, it's time to to knock it on the head sort of thing. I, I was going to say, look, look, when you were playing, you had a bit of a fiery side and we've been trying to get you on here for a little while now talking about it with, unfortunately, work commitments have stopped us getting you on and now you are. Look, when we were going to speak to you, I think the weekend before we were going to speak to you, you got sent off in a game. So you still, <laughs> you still got that fiery side because we were, because obviously we were talking about your management side and it yeah. was like, he literally got sent off the, I think the Saturday before we were going to talk to you during the week. So you still got I, that in the locker, yeah? Yeah, I, I'm not going to, I can't remember the sending off, but we'll leave that there. But yeah, that's <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look it up. <laughs> please don't um no yeah the fiery side is, is something again it's that's just me it's the it's the way i play football um you know sometimes it, it can get a little bit too much uh and i know that myself but i i've i've done it ever since i started playing football um and i was never going to change and you know it's it's just as i say it's just the way i am um you know i, I think it, it it comes from, it's obviously quite a, a cliche thing to say from some players, but for me, it was, you know, the minute I'll go over that white line, um, I'm, I'm fully, fully committed. Uh, I hate losing with a passion, you know, even to the point where my wife calls me sometimes at home because I'm playing a game with my six-year-old and I'm like, no, I'm not letting her win. I'm not yep. letting her win. She won't learn if I let her win. Yep. My wife, she's five, she's six, but <laughs> say, that's, that's just me. I, I have that fire. And I still, you know, like you just said there, I still have it to this day. You know, when the, the games I do play, um, I, I just go out there and, and I wear my heart on my sleeve basically. Um, and, and that's what I've done, you know, not even so much, you know, just men's football, even when I was playing sort of youth football to a good level, it's, it's what I've always done. So let's rewind then. How, how on earth did you get to get to Wimbledon? Obviously, you came, we, we obviously came to us, I believe. Terry Brown brought you in, is that right? So I actually had a, a small spell when it first, first started. I was actually, I had a little spell under when um, Nicky English was in charge. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was playing with players at the time when I was, think I was, I think I was only sort of 16, 17, might have been around sort of 17, 18, but I was playing with like, um, when Danny Oakins and that lot, yeah? Uh, <laughs> Bolger, people like that were there. Um, and I had a little spell under Nicky Inglis. And that, well, I had quite that... a few of them at Chipstead, Lewis, weren't they? Lee Sidwell and a few of them, were they at Chipstead as well at the time? Uh, yeah, they obviously... They, they went kind on, of went on, didn't they, yeah? Yeah, they sort of left Wimbledon. I think a few of them went, like Danny Oakins, I think went to Chipstead for a little bit. Lee Sidwell, like you said, went to Chipstead for a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, but yeah, so I had a little spell there briefly. And that all started, funny enough, from... Um, Actually, my dad, um, bless him, my number one supporter, really. He um, 
I can't for the life of me now think of his name. It probably might come back to me, but um, he, my my dad at the time was a cab driver, and one of the cab drivers was something to do with AFC Wimbledon at the I, time. Weren't Bassey, was it? No, not Bassey. It was. Um, I'm not sure. Hopefully, if it's not, you can probably edit this. I hope it's not live. But <laughs> the, uh, the fella that was was done a couple of years after for something to do with Glenn McClure. Glenn Trigger. Trigger, that's it. There we go, Trigger. So my dad at the time, back in the day, knew him because they were both cab drivers. And um, basically, my dad sort of said, look, he's he's here. He's just come, just been released from Fulham, never got his pro. And I ended up, yeah, down there with, with Nicky English for a little bit. And then, um, and then yeah, I think it was Dave uh, Anderson took over and, yeah. you know, loved the bloke, not got a bad word to say about him. But at the time, we just never got on. We never saw eye to eye and I weren't really sort of playing. Um, so then I, I moved on and went on to Horsham for a sort of number of years. And then, yeah, Terry Brown come and got me from, from Horsham. And how easy, how, how as easy as sell was it to come to Wimbledon? Obviously, you're a young lad. You've been there previously with, with for whatever reason, hasn't necessarily quite come off. And obviously, Dave Anderson didn't work out. How, how did it come about that all of a sudden you're come back to the squad did, did Terry Brown know you from Horsham or how did that conversation start no yeah it was just I, I, we didn't know each other to start with it was just I, as I say I was down at Horsham um, you know had a, had a couple of really really good seasons down at Horsham you know we was in that um, team where we got to the second round of the FA Cup where we yeah. beat we got a replay with Swansea Um and yeah, just had a, a really good couple of years. And, and I guess, as I say, at the time, there was actually a few teams sort of looking at me. You know, John Steele was quite interested in me at Dagenham. Yeah. Um, there was um thing, I can't remember his name now, but the Barnet manager was interested in me as well at the time. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Terry Brown obviously sort of got in contact with me. And um, yeah, it just basically went from there. And we we first had a chat. Um, and, and like you said, um, the minute, you know, the club like AFC Wimbledon, sort of come knocking at, at that sort of age for me it was it was a it was a no-brainer you know I, I'd obviously been there previously so obviously kept an eye on them knew exactly sort of what the club was about and where it was going you know from how good even when you know when I first went there at sort of 17 18 the, the fan base then for, for the level that we were at which was combined counties when I first started was 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 absolutely phenomenal so you know to, to be sort of a, a club interested in me like that was it was a no-brainer for me sort of thing look i've got a couple of questions because we've interviewed people uh andy sullivan who was with us when we first started ross standen we've yep. had people like that on and i always ask the question of what what was it like playing for AFC women at the combined coach so you were at horsham you said they get okay crowds still today they get what 500 to a thousand probably yep. down there maybe a few less but they're back and in the cup and they barnet yeah, barnsley got kicked out today against sutton yeah they're playing sutton away here uh and you're coming down now and playing in front of 3,500 with expectations to win every match, no matter who it is. And also, I always ask questions to the players that were around that time of, do they wish they could have stayed a bit longer or they were there from the start? And what always blows my mind that non-league players, they look at us and think, I'd love to do that, love to go there, even though I'm getting 50 quid more a week here, I'm playing in front of 3,500. It always blows my mind we didn't pick up, say, really good, like not really good, sounds weird, but do you know what I mean? Some players that would have dropped down, say, from the Conference South down to the to be at AFC Wimbledon at a time. 
Yeah, well, to go back, obviously, to the first sort of point, yeah, again, the, the crowds were, you know, unbelievable. And, and to, to see what we was getting at the seat, like the combined county level, and then obviously when we won that league that year, we went up. And then I think when I returned, we was, I think it was Ismian Premier or something yeah. like that. And, and like you say, we was getting sort of 3,500, 4,000 at Kingstonian. And, and you know, for, for a youngish sort of lad, don't get me wrong, it was... It was definitely daunting the first couple of games to to sort of I wouldn't say daunting that's probably the wrong word but it was definitely when you walked out it was like wow look at look at this sort of thing this is do you know what I mean this is unbelievable for for the level that you know we was playing um, and yeah but then once you sort of the one thing I would say about the fans is and again I'm not just saying it, it I've said it to a number of people you know not even when I'm interviewing it is the one thing I would say about it is that there was obviously that pressure there was obviously that they wanted to win they knew that obviously they were a, a, a big big club and should be where they are now if not higher um, but it always felt that they was always on your side, if that makes sense. So although there was that element of pressure and that element of, oh my God, there's another 4,000 here, another home game, we've got to turn it on. It was always constant singing. It was always positive. It was always, there was, it, there never seemed to be, you know, like some fans, no disrespect, you can see that there's a negative vibe. And if yeah. there's a game that doesn't go too well, you know, you get, you start getting the jeers, the boos from your own crowd. Whereas, Again, I, I don't know what it's like now. You, you, you're in a you're in a league sort of um, division now, so it, you know it might be slightly different. Um, but I can't see it because obviously a lot of the fans are, are probably still going to be the same fans, um, and you're just growing. So for me, it was yeah, it was always it was so positive, and and I think for us as well, the players that were there when we first started, and even that sort of that sort of era when we went all through the Ishmael and stuff. The, the players and the fans had a really good bond together. So after games and stuff, you know, we was coming into the clubhouse and, you know, we'd have the first sort of half an hour in what we called the players' lounge and stuff, where there was the directors and a few supporters and stuff like that. But then after that, every single one of the players would go out into the main bar at Kings Meadow and we'd go and mingle with a lot of the fans and we'd have a chat with them and they was always so positive. So it was like, yes, there was a lot of expectation and there was a lot of fans there, but we knew that 99.9% of them only wanted the best for the players, believed in the players, and obviously gave us that support. And again, a cliche saying, but at times they definitely, definitely were a 12th man. And sometimes, you know, unless you've actually played in it, you, you can't sort of really under uh, understand sort of just how important that can be sometimes. You know, and, and even more so when you go to away games, some of the sort of followings we took to some of the away games that, the football was was just insane, and and I think the first time we took it to some new clubs, I don't even think they knew what hit them really. Um, so yeah, it was it was unbelievable, really. I, I, Dan, I think you'll you'll probably be able to bet, but I think we've actually unfortunately we've lost that side of it now. I think where players would come into the bar, do you know what I mean you lot wouldn't have to buy a drink most of the times. The fans would be literally singing, there'd be stuff. I was saying to Danny before you come on, uh first time I met you was at a, a sponsor's doing you come and sat with me and my wife or my ex-wife at the time. But you come down and you spent about an hour just chatting to us about my my family and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is do you know what I mean this is a player coming and making a bit of an effort. I do think we've lost that at Wimbledon now where we are because we are in the league, we've got younger fans coming up. But I think you're right at ASC Wimbledon at a time it was working class men footballers coming in and just enjoying the moment the fans were just on the crest of a wave of going up and up and up and I, I do think we've lost at AFC Wimbledon at the moment unfortunately I don't have you been down to Plough Lane yet Lewis have you been to a game I, yet I've, 
Yeah, I've only actually been once, funny enough. I'd love you to play, go You played, didn't you, in the, one of the little mastery games, didn't I, you? Yeah, I was just about to say, so I got invited back, uh, I think it was last year, start of last year, um, to the Harvey one, the, the celebrity one versus Harvey. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the only time I've been back. And I, like I say, I'd love to, to come back more, but, you know, obviously we've still been yep. involved. Yeah, of course, yeah. Back. You know, very tough, and with a family, two two little girls, and stuff like that. If if I was out the house anymore, I'd probably be you know divorced as well. So, um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, but no, as I say, even when I went back, you could see the uh, the, the stand, the the ground is is phenomenal, and and like I said, it, it's it's always should be that you know the club from when it started AFC Wimbledon you just knew that it was destined to be sort of back in the league and and like I said hopefully you know it can just keep growing and I always like I think any sort of player that was involved with Wimbledon would always keep looking at them and, and I've got a real good eye on it and I still you know I still sort of speak to some boys every now and then and we you know we still have a little catch up once in a blue moon like I say I'd, I'd, I'd love to you know, get down to Plough Lane a little bit more and come and come and su- support the boys because it's still, you know, a massive part of my footballing career and they still, you know, hold a massive sort of part in in me basically. As I say, I, I love the club, I love everything about it, um, and yeah, I just wish them all the best. Really, I mean, on that, Lewis, and again, I'm not going to be too over the top, but you were a real, real fans' favourite, like a genuine. A lot of the the fact of the way that you the combative nature of your football was incredibly endearing to the fan base. And it was, you were a very interesting character I found because you were the, you were almost a link between the Wimbledon, the crazy gang, the fight, the guts, the let's have it. And the new football where we were trying to play football and get moving. You were quite a unique character in that because we had a lot of players who did bits and pieces, you know, goal scorers, but you were the one of the, the guys that I kind of felt embodied what Wimbledon was about. And that's a really unique thread. I just want to go on to, uh, we spoke last week, I don't know if you, you wouldn't have heard it, but we basically <laughs> rated all of our managers, right? From the minute we walked in with Nicky English, Terry Eames, Terry Brown was our number one. Tell us about him. We've heard so many different people talk about him. From speaking to Miles and a few others, apparently you and Terry ever were were really, really tight. I'm just curious as to what it is about him that A, was we got so successful. Was it just a big black book of loads and loads of people or was there something different about him because he was incredibly endearing for us as fans and the fact that people like you would have run for a brick wall. What was it about this bloke that was so endearing to you as players and to us as managers, do you think? Do you know, obviously I can't speak highly enough for Terry Brown um, and I, I genuinely mean that. And, and and for me, there's a number of reasons. Obviously, the first one stands out and I've always said it, you know, for, for him to show an interest to, to come and get me at a club like AFC Wimbledon, obviously, you know, for me was was a massive sort of plus because he obviously, you know, rated me. You don't come and sort of get a player from from somewhere if you're not interested in him. So straight away, it was like, right, well, he's interested. So now I need to repay that favour sort of thing. But then just from the minute I walked into the club, really, you know, and it it goes back to even when we first had that meeting. I, um, you know, a lot of people that know me closely know that, you know, my two biggest, biggest my mum and dad, um, you know, they they travelled the world with me, and obviously, unfortunately, sort of nine years ago, I lost my my mum, 
But I always remember one of the first meetings we ever had in the office in Kings Meadow when we was trying to sort out the contract and all that. And again, I was one of them players. I never really, I did it one spell and it was probably one of the only things I, I sort of regretted a little bit, but I never had an agent or anything like that. It was all done, you know, off my own back. And as I said, the support of my mum. And even that, you know, the first meeting we had, Terry Brown, you know, I, I come in, I had my mum with me and he was just such caring loving person at the time where he just gave everything that he needed he made every like me and my mum feel welcome um little things the little things that he did you know what i mean it was just, and then the minute that was all agreed it weren't that wasn't forgotten because he knew sort of what my mum and dad meant to me as a young lad it was right they're always going to be involved you know he got them straight into the the you know the, the players lounge straight away without even asking questions but then going on to the footballing side of it he was just he just he just had a real sort of knack and a real knowledge, one of the game. You know, every time we went into a session, whether that would be at start when it was only part-time or when we went into that transition of full-time, you know, his sessions were, you know, brilliant. and I think that is a little bit down to his, his backroom staff as well. He had Stuart I was going to say Stuart Cash, yeah. He had Stuart Cash in with him at time, and, and, and obviously Stuart Cash I loved to bits as well. He was yeah. a really, really... Um, you know, really good um, bloke and he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but Terry Brown, yeah, as I say, he just had that that relationship with players. And one thing I've I always said, and I've said it, and he was very, very good at it. And, you know, I, he even did it when I was at Margate, is he just knew how to read players, if that made sense. Yeah, so he knew if there was a couple of boys that you couldn't really go at, they couldn't be screened at all the time, even if they needed it, he did it in a way that would get the best out of them. He might. Yeah, he read the room well. Yeah, and he just he managed to bring in dressing rooms that all seemed to knit. And like you said, I think right at the start of one of these questions was not all the time did AFC Wimbledon have the best best players all the time. Yeah, but he just seemed to have a knack of really getting a team that would gel together want to work for every single person in that squad, but also want to work and run through brick walls for him and his management team. And for me, that's, you know, you that's, that's a, that's a skill in itself having that. Um, and, and yeah, he was just, and even off the pitch, you know, I mean, he was just such a, a genuine guy. You could pick up the phone to him if you needed to, whether it was about football or not. And, you know, but on the flip side of that, don't get me wrong. If you was on the wrong side of him and you needed to know, he would let you know and he would tell you he was he was straight talking and that was it you you do what he wanted to do sort of thing i'm just curious obviously like see so i'm interested you've you've spoken a lot about you know you know you the player with your hat your manager becoming hat give me a couple of the key things that you think that you you know I, I, as example i'm a i'm a cricket teacher if you like cricket coach you know I've been surrounding myself with really good coaches and been fortunate to coach at a really decent level for cricket at least just curious as to you know we're like magpies we pick things off didn't we we pick that, that was good off him that was good off him that was good off him you know I pick stuff up for Mousy at work hopefully he picks stuff up for me tell me the two or three things oh, that you're it. thinking no, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not yeah. a lot keep your mouth, keep your mouth <laughs> shut um, I'm just interested is what are those couple of key nuggets of information or the things that you think do you know what I'm going to use that from the way that Terry Brown did this or the way that he did this or the way that he thought about this, what are those key couple of things that you're going to take into potentially your hopefully very successful coaching and managing career? What are those key, the key little nuggets that you're like, right, I'm keeping that? 
Yeah, as I say, like I said at the start, for me, I'm you know I'm my own person, and obviously I want to do things sort of my way. But yeah, of course, I've picked up certain things from it from from a certain amount of managers, and and I, I touched back on what I said a minute ago. One of the key things that I think Terry Brown had had down to an absolute T was being able to read you know the players and 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 being able at times to get the best out of them in the right way and and you know me and sort of Melzi and Mark and Dean my, my other um, you know sort of the team that we've got now at Chips did that's you know something that we're sort of definitely learning and trying to do and you know I, I'll be totally open and honest with you for, for me um, I think a little bit of the sort of generation of players have changed yeah. well I think you have to have a slightly different approach to them now um, you know you you can't sort of approach it the way that some of the managers did sort of 10, 12 years ago. Um, and I must admit, for me, I've, I even said this funny enough to Mousy yesterday at training. I, that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm sort of having to try and overcome because, I'm like I said, I have got that fiery side to me. I have got that that mentality and winning. And, and I just I sometimes rightly... It's a different wrong, game, isn't it? It's a different game from a decade yeah, ago. Massively, in every wrong, level. I expect people to do things how I want it done, if that makes sense. And like, I, like me, like like we said before, you're going to have those players that are, you know, not fiery, but they're flary. You're going to have those players that do different things. So I think, you know, for me, if I had to pick one nugget, you know, I could, I could, as I say, I could sit here and talk about Terry Brown and take nuggets off of of him the whole of this, in, um, you know, podcast. But if I had to take one, I think it would definitely be sort of being able to read players now. And and get the best out of them week in week out, and just having that that aura of being able to do that, you know. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, if they're going to do that, you know, they're going to sort of go out every week for you midweek on a you know a, a rundown pitch that's wet cold, but you know they're going to go and give you a hundred and ten percent. And I always remember one of the uh, one of my and I've, I use it funny enough in the dressing room at, at Chipstead now quite a bit and it, it actually comes from Terry Brown. One of the things he always used to say to us was that you could have all the quality in the world and be the best best player in the world, but unless you've got the heart to run through brick walls and want to earn that right to play football, yeah, you don't. Uh, yeah. You are and how talented you are. You have to earn that right to play, um, and I, I'm a I'm a strong believer that is that is the case. You do need to do that. We talked about managers and stuff like that that you've played under. With regards to the players that you played with at Wimbledon, who was the best player that you was on the Wimbledon team that you looked around and thought, oh, how is he playing? He should be playing professional. He should be higher than this." Or and also. As I said, you had a fiery side yourself. Who did you look at and think, I, did, I don't want to go up against him if I play against him? Like, that's a proper, like, we love our hard men at Wimbledon. Who would you say is a hard if, man that you think? Well, if I had to pick like one or two, obviously, hard men going straight into that, then obviously the first one for me is Keds. I would I would have hated to play against him. Yeah, them. mate. Can you imagine? Oh, he's still playing now, isn't he? He is, but I saw he's still him. Still playing like, Cousin. He's at Church. Uh, no, not Church. He's at Chatham. Chatham, isn't he? Chatham, yeah. yeah. And he, uh, I, I don't know if he plays as much now, but he, uh, he's like the sort of coach. But he did play a little bit last year. But yeah, um, if yeah, I'd hate to have come up against him sort of back in the day. Prime would say he was, you know, what he was about. But on the flip side of that, what what a player he is was. It, you know? uh, Look, do you know, is it true that he was a bare knuckle boxer as well? Because these are the rumours that we used to hear when we when 
Danny Carroll was playing is, for us. That is ridiculous. It was because of where he was from in, in, in Kent and stuff. Because my boy is, so, my boy is uh, Ethan Kedwell Finch. He's named after Danny Kedwell. He's got Kedwell in his middle name. Okay. And I love him and met him. And, and he, as you said, he's got What's that What's the other call, one named? Taylor uh, or not? Kimball. Well, Taylor is, I've got, uh, my boy is uh, Theo Taylor. Oh, named after me, or is that just a coincidence? <laughs> it's, it's after Lyle Taylor. It's after Lyle Taylor. Well, actually, yeah, if you want to know, it, really, it's Jamie Taylor, but we won't go yeah, into yeah. it too much. We've, we've <laughs> had so many good Taylors, it was it was out to be done. So, <laughs> I mean, And he is a scary man to meet, just to speak to, but we heard he was a bare-knuckle boxer, and I don't know how true that was. <laughs> I can't believe you were saying this ridiculous <laughs> chat. I, I can't answer that, because for me, I, I've never heard that. Obviously, he... he, he Probably could have been, and I would definitely not have wanted to fight him. But um, no, I'm glad he was definitely on my corner and and on the, my side of the pitch when we was playing. Put it that way. But <laughs> off- how good how good were him and Maney, mate, together? Oh, yeah, they was yeah. Maney was Maney. Do you know what I mean? I love Maney to bits. Um, but Maney was one of them. You know, he just he knew where the back of the net was. He was outrageous. Yeah, he was a, he was a joke at what he did. You know, mainly was one of them strikers that you know wouldn't you know you wouldn't even know he was on the pitch for eighty minutes, and then he'd turn up, he'd turn, he'd whack one top bins, and then he'll get the winner in the eighty ninth minute. And he was just he knew exactly where the goal was. He, he did it against us for Tunbridge the day we signed him. I think. Yeah. Didn't he? he was literally not in the game away to Tunbridge, and then he scores two goals. Why do you think, Lewis? Why did Kedwell get? A, do you think got he got the Gillingham gig and he got a bit of league football? What? Why? I mean, was was there anything in in Maney that just it didn't? It, I mean, I was going to ask you the same sort of question coming up, but why didn't Maney play league football? Do you think is it just unlucky? Was it injuries? Is it because he for me he was just an absolute machine at conference. He just well, you name it, he'll score goals, but he just he'd never quite. I don't know whether it was just generation. He just he maybe missed his time. I don't know. What do you think? Why did he go proper? I, I, as I say, I don't know. That's a very tough question because if if you ask me, yeah, I think he could have played league football, yeah. definitely. He was unbelievable. Maybe, as you say, you know, it was just sometimes that saying, you know, you've got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why he didn't, but he could have, definitely. And obviously yeah. that, you know, obviously people did. And, but Ted's just had that little bit more of a, that little bit more of a... I always saw Keds as like a real old-fashioned striker jumping. Yeah. He used his body well. He knew exactly what he was doing. And like you said, if he needed to, you know, leave someone on site, he could always remember... I'm not going to mention any names because i get myself in a little bit of trouble probably, but <laughs> I always remember one game, I come up against someone that I knew. Okay. Uh, and... No, I knew him. He was, he, I wouldn't say he was a mate, but I knew him. He was all right. And we was coming out and we was we was ready to, we was warming up and stuff like that. And I said to Keds, funny enough, I was like, right, Keds, like, centre half there, mate. I was like, he's not bad, but if you leave one on him, he, he's got a tendency to go missing. So didn't think nothing else of it sort of thing. Literally, I think about five minutes into the game. Oh, no. Clipped one up, gone up to Keds, where obviously the centre half's come in and Keds has just left one on him. Taking him clean out. Whoa. He's about to go off the pitch after five minutes. <laughs> anything. <laughs> I was oh, like, no. after the game, I went to kids. I went, well, when I said leave one on him, I was like, more, you know, just let him yeah. know. <laughs> let him know you're there. <laughs> that, that, and, and that, you know, that sort of sums it up as well. He was, he wasn't just a brute and knew where the goal was. He was a very, very clever footballer. And, you know, I know that sounds really silly to say, but even those little things, you know, being able to leave one on someone 
and get away with it was clever. Do you know what I mean? That it, you know he, he could do that at times, but and on the flip side of that, you know he was an unbelievable footballer as well. He knew exactly where to go. It was like even the clip, I, you know, we'll probably go on to it in a minute. But you know the, the pass for the Millwall goal yeah. is 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 unbelievable, and that was from Keds. Do you know what I mean? So, and also being an ex bare knuckle boxer, he's gonna scare <laughs> people. Yeah. So, so you, you're the, the the way that you also played blue was quite interesting, and the fact of. In my opinion now, it's a little bit dated in terms of you. I've always felt it was quite weird because you, at times I felt you were quite comfortable as a holding midfielder, but you were really, I felt you were really box to box. You scored plenty of goals. You got box to box. How did your combinations go in the centre of the park? Because obviously your, that squad by the end of it was quite lively. What kind of players were you playing with and how were you able to manufacture a really sort of, your identity was quite, quite clear you know we have we've had, we have people like Sammy Moore who's played for us who obviously has gone around the houses a bit Stephen Gregory who sort of get it past get it past it but you, you were quite different you were a hustle you were quite high tempo high energy happy to get forward happy to do the donkey work how did you get those combinations right in the middle of the park to be it might from my opinion anyway a, a huge success at the door Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, again, I think, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, Terry Brown come and got me. I think that was what he was looking for. Um, And obviously we just had that, fluidity about us you know terry brown at the time we we used to play like the diamonds in yeah. in the field so you know we didn't have we had obviously the four at the back and then we had the diamond in the middle was sort of like two up top with maybe a false 10 at the time and uh so we had that sort of fluidity sort of thing so you know it would be that would be sort of the role of the sort of the two pivots and the diamond it was sort of box to box get up and down we had that little anchor at times and then we had the one you know in the 10 if if Maney wasn't playing or Keds wasn't playing and and sort of to echo that going back to a question that was sort of asked a minute ago for me he was probably one of the best players I've ever played with and I've always said it was Luke Moore you know in, yeah, in, Dorkin, in, he's still playing as well so clever Dorkin. In that pocket, you know, there was that those sort of three, two or three years that we had together. He is one for me. I would always say how we never went a lot higher. Yeah, yeah. I really don't know because some of the things he used to do and and just he's reading of the game and being able to find those pockets, you know, in front of the back line, but in behind the midfield and just cause problems all the time. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm obviously speaking for him, but if he was ever to speak to Maney and Keds, you know, Moro was probably 50% of the reason they got sort of some most of their goals. You know, I mean, some of the pockets and things that Moro used to do is, 
was an absolute joke. And, you know, even when I played with him at Dorking, so I had, a, I had sort of four years at Dorking as well, and I played with him there. Even back then, he, he, he got a little bit more of a sort of, like sort of just a sort of normal centre midfielder now, rather than sort of going forward and stuff like that. But even then, sort of some of the things he used to do on the football pitch and, and just being able to... He just always used to be able to find space. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Balls in areas that were just an, a, a, a headache for defenders and midfielders every week without... He scored big goals as well, didn't he? Just the, Under, he'd, underrated he'd be the, so badly. He'd, yeah, he'd be the guy who, you know, on a 2-1, on a he's got the winner. It was just yeah. always... I remember, when, obviously, when we got promoted and we had that... Do you remember we had that game at Crawley that and he, I think he scored and we, it was like that weird provisional game because oh, was it us and Crawley both went up and they didn't know what to do with the league or whatever um, he was absolutely quality yeah and it's amazing because it just shows you as well he's now back in the conference doing pretty good with Dorking just shows you doesn't it it's sort of like that longevity is mental Lou you, play, yeah. you played at Dorking did you play with Mark White there, uh, under Mark was he yeah, yeah, at Dorking at the time Right, for four what, years, yeah. What is he like? Because he's literally everywhere now. Everywhere you go on social media. And apparently he was a Wimbledon fan back in the day and he used to go sell us and watch Wimbledon. And when all the move happened, he was like, I want a social football side. And now he's just gone off. And as I said, he's on every podcast you listen to. It's Mark. What is he like as a person? Is he just as nuts as he comes across? Yeah, that, that What you see is what you get with Mark. But again, <laughs> that is bonkers. But and, and that is the honest truth. But again, like you know, if, if if we go back to talking about managers and stuff like that, you know, he would be up there for me as as one of the best managers I've ever worked. Really? Up. Yeah. He, wow. He's, you know, he's he's he is he is what he is what you see what you get is what you see sort of thing with him. But he is he is again he is a. a is he tactically good? Is he is he switched on tactically? Yeah, very tactically good. He doesn't. Wow. He doesn't, that he is tactically good. Don't get me wrong. He um. You know, he's coaching and stuff like that. He doesn't do a lot of the coaching side. Yeah, because he, he, he had Mark Beard, didn't he? I was just about to say, he, he has a yeah, yeah. good team around him, doesn't he, as well? I think he's left, though, though, Mark Beard now. He's at Eastbourne Borough. Ah, there you go. Fine. Yeah, he's, he's the manager at Eastbourne Borough now. But he's got, I can't remember the geezer's name now, but he's got that um, young lad in from Aldershot now as he's, as he's number two, I believe, or he's like coach at Dawkins. Yeah. Um, very, he's he's quite highly spoken about as well as a coach. So he's always had a good team around him. So he never used to do a lot of like the coaching. You know, he, he would take. You know, in the four years I was there, I think he probably took. You know, probably four or five full sessions. He was always yeah. there, like the pattern and the tactics sort of side of it. But he never really took the sessions. But as as tactically for games and being able to set up different things. And again, he's for me, he is another one who just had an unbelievable way of of being able to pluck these players out of somewhere but build a changing room that was just so tight and knitted that the minute you went over that pitch and that white line for him, it was like, right, we are going to go to war now and we are going to run through brick walls, whether we, you know, have to bleed it or whatever, we are going to get this result done. And again, that was, you know, credit to him. So, yeah, don't get me wrong, he is scatty at times, but you know, what he's seen, Get with Mark. I'd love to speak to him because if I because he's got some big Wimbledon players down. He's got Barry Fuller. He's I think he's yeah. captain down. Like, AFC Wimbledon B. Frankham. Kennedy. Fuller. 
He's got Kennedy. Frank, yeah, Kennedy's down. He's got uh, Gallagher, he's got Dan Young Gallagher, he had Alfie um, Egan. Yeah, and I just and he had the Wimbledon links. And I, the, the the recent one is the player for I think it's York gets sent off, and he goes absolutely. I don't know if everyone's seen it on a bunch of amateurs and stuff. It's doing all the rounds on Twitter, but he goes absolutely, and he wants to fight with York. And then the uh, full official comes over to him and says, "Mark," and he's like, "Look, mate, you ain't my mum. I'm just talking to him." <laughs> and he's going absolutely, eight, but he's telling the geezer to go like air fight, and it is he's brilliant and. Everyone loves him. I, as I said, I'd love to speak to him about the Wimbledon links and where he was as a Wimbledon fan and stuff. But yeah, you played under him. I just wanted to know what he was like. Like, yeah, no, no, exactly what you he comes across on in interviews and stuff like that. Like even that one I done. If you've seen about it, when I can't remember what podcast he was on, but when he was talking about that, the bad years, the bad years, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, under the cosh it is. Yeah, under the cosh. Not making that up either. Do you know what I mean? Even when I was there, like a few years back, that was how we used to be. It was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to get badges. Like, why do I need to get a badge? He said, I will never knock anyone going to get badges if they want to. But I'm doing what I do the way yeah. I do. I agree and with that, you. So I can get that. He, um, so, yeah, he's, he is what he is, but he's, he's quality. He's really, he's a, he's a top, top bloke as well. And I still speak to him. You know, sort of, you know, once a month probably. I still speak to him. He's always sort of asking how I am. Always checking with him. And yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a top, real, real top bloke, Mark. Get have a word with him. Tell him to come on here. I will so, do. Um, yeah, Lewis. I wanted to before we go on to like finishing off with the good stuff. I want to briefly touch on some of the low life, the low stuff. Obviously. You had some pretty nasty injuries. You had the cruciate, I remember, after the Crawley game. I think you even did another one. Just talk us through it from a, you know, you're a young footballer. I, I Again, I'd like to know you better, and obviously maybe in the future I will. But was it was the first one your first major injury? Yeah. And how, how did you, you're a young lad, you just come to Wimbledon, you obviously high expectation of how do you deal with that? And how do you start to kind of build sort of the confidence in your body how did it happen and how, how what process did the club put in to help support you get back yeah well as I say yeah, it was uh, it literally was my first game so obviously I had the, the summer where I'd signed for him it was all done and dusted and it was at Met Police um, and then literally the first one was just I just literally went up for a header no one around me um, just tried to flick it on as I landed. I landed awkwardly on my left. And it sort of buckled, gave way where I collapsed. But it wasn't even that painful. So, yeah. you know, I come off and and then obviously, you know, cut a long story short, I went for the, you know, scan and it showed, you know, I had the phone call from from Mr. Rayner, Mike Rayner. Yeah, Mike Rayner, yeah, yeah. And uh, he obviously sort of, you know, delivered the, the bad news. Um, and, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was very hard to deal with, but like I said, I go back to, you know, I did, I had that support around me, you know, not only, you know, my mum and dad who obviously, like I said, were, were my number one fans, but were always there to support me no matter what. Um, but, you know, I did have some really, really close mates, you know, Mousy being one of them, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's my assistant now and, and a couple of other lads that, you know, I won't mention because they don't need to be mentioned, but they know who they are. Um, and yeah, I just, I just had that support and it was, you know, and, and to be fair to club as well, you know, I think if I was a, you know, no disrespect to, to any other club, <laughs> a slightly sort of different club that didn't have the resources and weren't yeah. of driving and going in the direction that Wimbledon were, you know, it might have even been a longer sort of road to recovery, but, you know, like I said, because of where Wimbledon was, I, I had the scan and within two weeks of having that scan, I was in a private hospital um, in Wimbledon under a surgeon called Mr. Ridian Thomas, who did my first operation. So within the space of sort of three, three and a half weeks of doing it, I'd had my op. 
and I was on my road to recovery. So there wasn't too much time of sort of yeah, sitting. Yeah. You know, I've heard of some stories, you know, that boys have waited six months on the NHS to get theirs done. You know, for me, that would be an absolute mind wreck because you're just sitting there constantly, one, not being able to play, two, not being able to do nothing really, and three, like this six months. It's just dead time, isn't it? Just sitting yeah. there wasting, yeah. Whereas for me, as I say, it was I was in, done, had the op, I was, you know, straight back into the club. Um, and like I say, the club couldn't have been supportive enough. Uh, you know, Mike Rayner was an absolute godsend for me through that. Yeah. Not only just for the treatment and what he gave me, but again, you know, it was just, just that sort of click and that sort of environment, like I said, that Terry Brown had built, the whole squad, the whole staff. You know, Mike Rayner would pick up the phone to me at eight o'clock in the evening on a, on a Wednesday to just have a chat, just to see how I was. Um, wow. You know what I mean? For me, you know, I, back then I didn't think about it. You know, it was, it was just, Oh, thanks sort of thing. But now with everything that, you know, I don't like to brandish it too much. No, Cause I, I understand. But it's also, Lewis, it's important. It's the, it's the dark side of football. We talk a lot about, you know, when players drop off form. We, we spoke about Piggott last year or the year before, I think it was. I mean, basically, he was in a really bad run of form and everyone was slaughtering him on social media. And you watch a game of football and all we see as fans is the, ni the 90 minutes. We see three till five and then by six, people are in the pub. I'm home putting the girl to bed or whatever. But you don't see the, the darkness, if that makes sense. And the reason why I wanted to I bring it up again, I spoke at work today about, and Mousy was saying that every single day you were on the phone, can we do something? Can we do something? Can we find something to do? And it's just interesting that it's bad enough when you're in a pro environment where the money's relatively lucrative, where you're looked after. But it, it, it it's, it's a tribute to you, I guess. It's full credit on the fact that you're young enough, so you're probably a bit more resilient. But, you know, th that could have been the end of your career. And that must have been at points where you're sitting there thinking... Jesus, the world is my oyster. Like, you know, this could be the step to the big step, if you like. And I'm, I, yeah. I don't know much about whether other people were interested at Wimbledon or not. I don't know. But it, it would have been very, very easy for you to have, for us as fans, we don't see that, which is why it's a, we always find it fascinating when we watch the game and people have a crap game and, like, oh, he's rubbish. Like, well, hold on a minute. Like, we have... Um, We've got Davison at the minute up front who he's all right, works hard. You know, there's, I wouldn't say he's, he's elite, but he works hard. But, you know, he had a shocker with the other day and we're like, oh, is, what is he doing? He was horrendous. And then the next day, oh, by the way, he had a baby the night before and it was like, oh, Jesus. It's just, it's fascinating well, he, to sort of work out how it goes. No, but yeah, you know, you know what, you know what I mean, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously the biology teacher in the room is here. But um, yeah, no, it just must've been an interesting place. And obviously, and to come back, and to play so well is extraordinary because these ACLs, they, you know, they can, you know, cock you up for ages and to come back and be part of a really successful team. Because let's face it, it could have been quite easy of just gone, thanks, Lewis. We've just got... Because at that time, let's be honest, Wimbledon could have got three or more cabs off the rank. They'd have jumped here to be at Wimbledon. You go down the pecking order, end of the season. Thanks a bunch. Pat on the head. See you later. But no, we've kind of persevered with you. You've persevered with us. That sort of mutual respect. And it's just... um. Yeah, I find it just fascinating how well you kind of bounce back. I mean, that's terrific. Before you answer, yeah. Lewis, sorry, players are easily forgettable as well. If you look at yeah, of course. Tyrone Mings at the moment, he's got an ACL. Most people wouldn't even 
talk about him now. They've, you forget about England. He was getting in the England squad. Now everyone, it's only he tweeted the other day saying, "Hello, everyone, I'm still okay." It's like, well, Tyrone Mings is still about. Sorry, like, I just it's, as Dan yeah, said, right. it's the dark so side, and people forget your your Wimbledon then your Wimbledon career, Lee um, Lewis. Was that? Do you think that's the best football that you got to? Do you think that that was the, if I was to say, right, come on, one, you know, there's the 92 Football League scouts and they're all on the bench. Where did you play in your career the best? Where was the best Lewis Taylor, do you think? Did we get the best Lewis Taylor or was it, do you know what? That was great. But when I got here, where where was your best Lewis Taylor? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely think Wimbledon got, you know, a, a... of yeah, as close to sort of best yeah. as it can. I did have, you know, I think I did have that sort of spell where I just let just after I put in for a few years as well. You know, I, I was the same, if not sort of yeah, really sort of peaking. But for me, again, you know, I've, I feel like I have been one of them players that I'm quite. I've always been quite consistent. That that's one thing. Again, I've always sort of pride myself on. You know, I've I've always been. If I have. Even if I am sort of in a in a little bit of a rut or having a bad game, because of what my mindset was like and what I sort of moulded myself on, it was like, right, well, even if I know I'm not having the best game, I'm still going to do the ugly side of it as well as I can because there's no excuse not to do that. Do you know what I mean? There's no excuse not to be running through, uh, you know, players. There's no excuse not to be winning tackles. That that's not. That's not, you know, being quality or passing the ball off the pitch five yards or not being able to do this and that. That's, you know, that's just sheer will and desire to want to do that. So for me, I, you know, I was always, I always, again, it's just me, my personal opinion, but I always felt like I was a, you know, always a good sort of six or seven. And then when I did have those good games, I was up around sort of the nine, you know, nine and a half sort of mark. Um, and, and I felt like I was like that for a good number of years, even when I left Wimbledon for a little bit. But no, I definitely think, you know, the best Lewis Taylor was was definitely at Wimbledon. And then, you know, I did have a spell through Dawkins, where again, I think, you know, for a couple of years, they got, the you know, a very good Lewis Taylor as well. Um, but I'm, I'm also very hard on myself. I look back and think, you know, I probably could have done things slightly better as well. Um, you know, and 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 yeah, I just think that it's one of them things. I think all you, if you want to be the best that you can be, I think you're always going to pick up on the odd things and probably say you probably could have done this a little bit better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, hindsight's a fine thing, and and like I say, I would never look back and say that my time at Wimbledon was was not a good one because it was unbelievable. It's the, it's the best memory I've got in football and some of the things I've done in football, it, it's, it's, it will never, ever be forgotten. And like I say, I've still got this. I've got another three shirts that, you know, have uh, framed and up and on walls and stuff like that because it is such a valuable part of my playing football career. Well, as we, we're going to move, as I said, we've spoke about your low points of the injuries and stuff, and we are we are cracking on with time a little bit. So I wanted to get on to what were your high points at Wimbledon? What were your say your fate? We, we the Millwall game will obviously be up there, but what were your personal high points at Wimbledon? What were you say you you achieved and you thought yes, I've I done that. Yeah, well, as I say, there's, there's a number, and I could go on for for lows, but for a few of them, obviously the first, you know, signing for me signing for a club like Wimbledon was was as close to you know sort of the dream I was looking at sort of three or four years before when I was at Fulham and you know I got all my YTS but I never got my pro um so for me you know that was a was a massive sort of thing you know I know like I said I know 
the level when I signed sort of with Terry Brown. It was still only sort of like the Romans, Prem Romans um, thingy, but it was, I knew where the club was going. And, you know, it was this massive club, you know, it was as close to being as a pro as it could be. Hmm. Uh, and obviously went up with it and, and grew with it. Uh, obviously Millwall, you know, Millwall will always live Oh, in. that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, as I say, to do it in front of, you know, all you fans, to do it at the Den, you know, as I say, my mum my and my dad were there at that time. Um, you know, I had my cousins and stuff like that there as well, um, to, you know, to, to score the goal and, and have that feeling. And, and like I said, I've been quite fortunate that, you know, I've actually had a couple of good runs in the FA Cup. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you've done well. Yeah, so to, to do that at that level, plus, you know, I never forget when I come out the first game at Millwall, Timmy Mallet whacked me over the head with his... With his... <laughs> <laughs> I've never, never forgotten that as well. And obviously at the time, David Hay was there as well. So I got to meet... Um, yeah, we oh, wow. the, he did, didn't he? Come around the, the, the yeah, match, he didn't he? Yeah, around the world. And, uh, mate, I'll never remember where I shook his hand and his hands were like this. I was like... <laughs> Ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it was it was that. But then also I've got I'll, I'll never ever forget the uh, the Cambridge game. You know, we was we was two nil down, I believe, at Cambridge, or it might have been yeah, I think it was either one nil down or two nil down, and I was getting all sorts of stick from the Cambridge fans, and then I went up and scored the scored one and silly me being me run back to where all the Cambridge fans were and turned yeah. around. Like, <laughs> that one. Oh no. The big and then I ended up scoring the second and then I think yeah I think it was 2-1 and then I think they equalised and obviously for the next sort of 10-15 minutes <laughs> you were on it yeah the abuse I got at Cambridge was an absolute you know joke but again that that was me I loved playing in those sort of environments you know it, it was that's what spurred me on to do even more um but yeah, as I say, I could go. And then one of the old funny stories that I could always say, and, you know, it's not really a sort of, well, it is a football memory, but it's one that always sticks in my head with Wimbledon as well. As I always remember my dad telling me when I played at Luton and uh, we was at Luton's ground. and um, That's on, uh, what was that? Andre Blackman, that, that year, was it conference? Or Danny Kegwell score. No, it was Danny score, but it was about, I think it was only about 15 minutes in and um, I went in for this tackle. And to be fair, it was a little bit of a naughty tackle. Like oh, well, I probably saw like a straight red for it. And um, I always remember that we, uh, my mum and my dad were sitting in the Luton sort of like end sort of thing. And my dad always said, he, he uh, when I went in for the tackle, my old, my old man put his hands in his head and went <laughs> But the Luton fans started standing up and give, grilling me, like swearing at me and all that. And my mum went to stand up and start shouting at the Luton fans. And my dad pulled her and went, you <laughs> You, my love, sit great right game. down. Yeah. Great game. That Kenwell goal was unreal. Down. <laughs> so, I was a, yeah. Memories. Lou, before we wrap it up, Dan, you could ask a question after. But if we, if you were uh, an AFC woman at night and it was a, after like, a dinner uh, speaking event and you had one story that you could tell the fans, what what story would you would you say? Well, like, oh, that's a what what would what would basically embody your experience the energy of the club and in in a yeah what what would what would be something that would be like this was our time at Wimbledon so as example I spoke to your old man at the wedding for the guys who don't know Lewis's dad is hilarious some great <laughs> stories about going going away lots of silly stuff but the way that he spoke was exactly what you said earlier Lewis the the the, the warmth that he had for the club and the connectivity. And it's a big word we use a lot, by the way. We talk about Wimbledon and its connection with the fans. Well, yes, we're fan-owned. Yes, 
we've been for adversity. And it's something that we've kind of lost a little bit since going to Plough Lane because it's a new yeah. stadium and bigger and stuff. I think that's fairly, isn't it? But yeah. connectivity is a really big kind of thing that we pride ourselves on and the way that your dad speaks about Wimbledon and the stories that you're in and other people I'm not going to share them because some of them were were <laughs> nearer the mark than others but it was just I don't know whether or not even even if it's something I don't know in a in a changing room and somebody said something and it was like right okay or a advert you know a negative into a positive that just summed it up I just didn't know whether there was something that you'll you will tell your players at Chips did when the when the chip. I know at the moment it's a bit up and down and left and right with you guys at the minute, and I'm certain you three will work hard enough to bounce through it. Um, I'm just curious as to what kind of message would you give to them players to say, look, this is this is when life is good. This is how we dealt with it. Well, again, I think yeah, for me, it's you know, it's it's just having that. You know that, but but like I said, for me the biggest thing for for the club that showed it when I was there was obviously like I said the fans. Do you know what I mean? For for me to be able to play in front of all that fans and and it sums it up. I think it was the conference south we won, or it might have even been the Eastman Premiership, um, and we won it that day. And I always remember it was like usually in in other success that I'd have when we'd had success before I'd come to Wimbledon and stuff like that, and even after since, you know, you you win. The league and something like that and it's more right it's done the fans are there for sort of 10 15 minutes you've got the trophy and all that and it's done and dusted and and all that but then that night do you know what i mean we finished the fans were all there it carried on that we went it we went out to i think there was um one of the own one of the sponsorships was like owned a pub we ended up going to their pub there was food all laid out for us there was drinks we never paid a penny for that and it for me that was just the the real understanding of just what not only did it mean to the fans, but what we meant to the fans as well, if that made sense. Yeah. Um, and and for me, as I say, I couldn't I couldn't put into words sort of the time I had at Wimbledon. Like I said, the, the only one thing I would probably say is I probably would have just me personally, I think um the only I, I would have liked to have stayed at Wimbledon a little bit longer and the choice was sort of more my choice rather than you know me mo being moved on if that makes sense yeah, yeah. Uh, so i don't like the word regret i hate the word regret I, I never use it but if i had to sort of say one regret that would probably be the only one i've got in my football career that i probably you know should have shouldn't have listened to a couple of people that i did have in my ear at the time which is probably the worst thing i did do i should have you know stayed and 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 been at the club for longer because as I say I, I genuinely mean when I say that you know the club holds a massive massive part in me from my footballing career and like I said from even when I finish playing football I'll never ever stop looking at where the club is and, and wishing it successful and you know I'll be totally honest as I don't want to um, you know try and put anything in anyone's head obviously I've got a long way to go to get there but you know I even said it to Dean a few months back you know one of my biggest things to be now would be to be able to be a successful coach and manager now. And at some point, whether that's, you know, ages down the line, you know, get that chance to maybe be, you know, the manager of Wimbledon now as well. And that if I was to ever get that opportunity, that would be literally like, you know, completing, completing the football sort of scene for me personally. Well, Lou, I we we tried in the summer and obviously my little girl let us down bless her poor cow she's fast asleep now she wasn't then um <laughs> but I, I just I'm, I'm really touched and i'm really pleased that you've come on because and again 
what I'm really chuffed at is what we tried to get at as fans. You as players felt it, if that makes sense. We were really, really the the story, the romance of of going through the leagues is an inherent part of our history, and it's a part of our history that we're incredibly proud of, that we will champion. But it's also the fact of the way in in a I don't want to sound too corny, but the way that you made us feel about fans towards you as players. And the way that you felt, that we felt towards you is exactly what we were, were aiming for. And I'm really pleased that going, turning up in the freezing cold, in the boiling hot, away games, miles away, round the corner, that you felt what we were trying to put across. And um, yeah, to hear some of the, the ups and downs of being a professional footballer, to hear about some of the people that we speak about on a weekly basis, people like Terry Brown and Maney and Keds. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really chuffed that you got to share how you felt and how we made you feel that, that that's a really special thing that Lee that to be blunt that's kind of why we do this really isn't it we kind of do this podcast to kind of you know it started for you Lewis it started in a lockdown thing I, I wasn't even involved it was Lewis and Jamie who's another wicked bloke who decided to use lockdown to connect people with football people who felt isolated and lonely they could just listen to people talking about their favourite team um, and we continue to talk about it because we, we value those relationships and we can, we identify with you and those players. And it's just, um, yeah, really wicked chat, Lee, eh? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love, I love talking to people like Lewis and people, like I said, we had Andy Sullivan on and people that were there from the start, do you know what I mean? And, and, and the Ryman days. And, and, and we've got a lot of younger fans coming through now and who watch Wimbledon and they love women but they didn't they didn't live with what we went through and people think it's mad when you go non-league football uh, and it it was brilliant and it was some beautiful times as I said I remember dancing with Noel Frankham in Poonanar in Wimbledon <laughs> do you know what I mean I remember just uh, being bundled on the floor outside in the middle of the Wimbledon High Street with Danny Oakins cuddling me and stuff like that and it's just like you couldn't think of doing that with uh, players now and it, yeah it was they were great and also how great important times. that Lewis's particular team was in our journey because yeah. it, 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 it's, it's fair to say we would have probably we could have run through those early leagues we, we would have found a way I think but that team in particular for the way it played how we played and the successes I'm not convinced even to this day, we talk about the biggest game we ever had, Lee, didn't we? And that conference final, which is, in my opinion, Lewis's kind of group, that has shaped where we are now, really. Without it, I'm not and, convinced. And for me, it's the fact that, Lou, you said what this club means to you and how much you love it. And and as I said, that's why I always ask the question to players like yourself. Do, do you wish you had stayed longer? And do you, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And because of the non-league scene there, I don't, you go on to a Horsham and stuff and they're good clubs and stuff, but yeah, great club, you're never yeah. going to have what AFC Wimbledon did in them non-league days. I've gone to a lot of non-league football and it's just, yeah, it blew my mind how we did it and what yeah. we did. No, 100%. As I say, like I said, I honestly mean that's probably my only sort of one regret that I wish I had have stayed, you know, longer. And and like I said, that was sort of more my choice, but it is, it is what it is. But as I say, it's um, it, it always will be and always has been a, you know, a special club. And, and as I say, I wish the club nothing but success. And, you know, it, it sums it all up, you know, going back to like what you're saying there about what it means to us and how sort of family it was. So, you know, when I went back that sort of last year, and I know it was only a celebrity game, but, you know, there was people there and even like Little Ivor and stuff like that. It was, I walked through the door, first time I've ever been at Plough Lane, and it was literally like, you've been here again all the time. You're just one of one of us sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? There was no, 
real wild, like it's a little bit on edge or anything like that. It was literally like back into it, bang. And then there was fans coming up to me saying, oh, like, and it was just like, you just won, you know, just all won together again. And like I say, that's, um, that's credit to, to you guys, you know, the fans who started it years ago. And it's credit to obviously how the club's being run. And, and as I say, I hope it continues to stay that way. And of course, you know, going into the professional leagues now and being, you know, thinking of that sort of, on with the players, of course, is going to change slightly. It, it has to, um, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, those values and those those players still know that you know it is still very much the club that it once was, and and it's a very very special club, very special club. Well, look, well, all, all I can say is thank you very much for coming on and, and, and speaking to us. We could be here for hours. Talk. I could be anyway. Uh, I know my missus wouldn't be too happy, but yeah, I could no, be no, here for hours. She'll be over the moon, mate. I love talking. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's locked me in the room and says, stay in here all night. Yeah. But yeah, I love talking about the old time. I, I had some of my greatest memories and uh, stuff. But yeah, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us. And yeah, I do appreciate. I know. Dave Best of luck. Best of luck for Chipstead. Hope it all yep. goes all right. And um, I'm certain after listening to this, there'll be a huge amount of people who will be looking at the results. Just a quick shout out, boys. If anyone and girls, if anyone is not watching the Dons or we've got a Saturday free like we had the other day, pop yourself down, go and watch Chipstead and go and cheer on. One of our um, one of our old guns. It's uh, it, they're they're doing great stuff, and long may that continue. No, thanks very much. It's a really really sort of pleasure being on, and thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Lou, thank you very much. Come, me and Daddy come back. We'll talk about the game on Saturday against Notts County. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. So we're back for the final part of the episode. Uh, we're going to be discussing the uh, Notts County game and the Gillingham game. Uh, but Danny, first thoughts on speaking to Lewis. Good chat. Brilliant. Uh, really good. And as I said, uh, it, it, it's interesting. What I thought was really, really heartwarming, heart felt warming, and I can't get my words right. What I've really enjoyed was the fact of the way that we as fans thought about them as players was seemed to be mirrored a little bit in yeah. terms of the players kind of felt what we were giving to them and they kind of felt back it would seem to be quite a as I said it's with, with Wimbledon the one thing we've always prided ourselves on is that connectivity it's that combined spirit and I think we as a fans we what we treasure it and we really we strive to find it and we've lost a bit of that in the last couple I, of years I, I, and we're I, desperately yeah. trying to get it back but we're not there the, uh, it was just nice to be able to remember when we did have that kind of thing. The, the problem you got with it, uh, with with us at the moment, is we are professional now. We're professional yeah. out here, even though we were full time back then. It was non-league, and I, I go. I've been to a lot of non-league from my young days all the way through. I still go now. Uh, a lot of non-league teams don't have fans. They have people that go watch them, but they support yeah, yeah. another team, so to speak. So there's there's few. There's like Conference South and stuff. They have a thousand, but we were getting three and a half, four thousand people going and watch Wimbledon loving Wimbledon and that was it and I like what Lou said is that he felt that everyone was on their side every time and I think we miss that nowadays I think we're too quick me put everyone knows this about me I'm very fickle but we're too quick to jump on our players back if they have a run of five games without a goal or where back then I don't think Kedwell or Main would have got any stick at all oh, if they were in on bad runs or do you know what I mean we were all behind we had the Nick Roddices as well everyone knew they were bad players but everyone Jesus. went on yeah I know but and and it, what he said is the fact that and I, I speak to other people like uh, Mickey Haswell and people like that you speak yeah. to back then they still love this club they are AFC Wimbledon fans now 
Do you know what I mean? They might have supported Chelsea <laughs> or Arsenal when they came to us, but they left us AFC Wimbledon and they will go and be AFC Wimbledon forever. And that's what I love. And then non-league days, I wouldn't want to go back, but no, they good. made us, I think, stronger as a club than where yeah. we are today because of that. And, and you I think yeah. FC Uniteds and stuff, they're still struggling, where we, I think, had that all-for-one attitude, which we kind of have lost now. And I think, Lee, if I'm honest, of all of the the different teams we've had as AFC Wimbledon, I think of my generation or anyone who's older than, say, 30, I think that's probably their favourite Wimbledon era, maybe mm. their favourite AFC Wimbledon team. That team that... And again, it's always easy because you're winning games, you're getting promoted. I was just about to say, yeah. Which is, which is obviously an easy one, but I think that I preferred watching the us when we got promoted into the Football League more than I did getting into League One. I, I preferred that that team and the way that they played their spirit and the way that they played and the individuals and the yep. quality everywhere. I would much rather have watched that team than the Lyle Taylor team, I, if you like, and that stuff. And I think he got it spot on, Lou, with the reason why, and that was Terry Brown. Yeah. Terry Brown had a dressing room, and I think Neil Ali kind of had similar yeah. not as close and knit and stuff but as he said Terry Brown had people running for brick walls no matter if you were number 15 16 17 if you were on the bench for five games in a row you, he, you'd have people playing for you and that was what I liked about it so well, Saturday's game against Notts County uh, you got Notts County and Gillingham I'm, this I'm, is a, a big week isn't it I'm really worried about Saturday okay Go because on if you look at Notts County's form I think they smashed what is it Bradford the other day they were four new up yeah. They do well against teams that play our formation. They overrun people in midfield, yep. crop overrun people in midfield, and they've got people that can score goals. Uh, so I do worry for us on Saturday. I don't know if the Wickham game would have helped that. I know we would have got minutes in people's legs that needed to, but Google's missing, Villa's missing. Ali comes back, but will be absolutely shattered from flying from. He normally has a game off, than he? Well, not not a game, though. He's not playing a game where he's not so good. Not as good. Yeah, he's off it a little bit. He's like, yep. you know I mean, he's going to be tired. Absolutely. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and I do worry about the game if we don't. For me, I'd go four at the back. I'd go Curry. Uh, I'd bring Johnson back in if he's fit. Lewis and Ogundir. I'd play across the midfield. I'd play... Uh, Possibly a five, but more of a little going into the number 10 behind Ali. Okay. And then I'd play Ball Reeves, and then I'd play Tilly and uh, Evans if he's if he's fit to play. And then up front, Ali. And, Ali on his own, but little as the number 10 getting further forward than he normally does. But then you play Ball and Reeves as them two sitters. Li then little can yeah, come, come back into that three if we need to, if we're getting over running midfield. And then we've got I mean, outlets in Tilly... Uh, Evans and uh, Ali if, if, as well. I mean, I don't know if you've been, again, on social media. He's done a very, very interesting um, interview. I've seen a bit because it's really funny because Joe Palmer's sitting next to him. Very much so, which I presume he's must have gone there. Well, um, well I hope he ain't just turned up and gone and there, to be in this video. <laughs> the big thing he was speaking about was about how Notts County tried to keep the ball in play longer than that. They keep the ball in play. Yeah longer than any other team and like with like corners and stuff rather than kicking the box they play short corners and they keep the ball moving regularly um, I thought at the start of the season to be honest with you I thought Notts County and Wrexham would go through the league I think it's actually going to be a little bit of a trend 
I think there's going to be a lot more teams who come out of the conference and will come in. I think Chesterfield could quite easily. They're, I think they're good this year. I think they were decent last year. I think they'll be good next year. I think there could be a lot more teams who the gap is definitely shortening between the league, the bottom of League Two and the top end of the um, well of um, of the Chess, National League. Chesterfield manager Paul Cook said it in an interview the other day. I love Paul Cook when he speaks as well because his oh, voice, changes, voice voice is hilarious. changing. Yeah. He said that. Non-league, we were talking about to Lewis. Non-league's changed a lot nowadays. That there ain't semi, there ain't many semi-professional teams no. anymore. There, the the top six probably in the conference could be do well in the league too. And I think you're right. But I didn't think Notts County and Wrexham would do as well. I didn't think Notts County would do as well. I thought Stockport I thought would. Wrexham would. I thought but Wrexham were going to run through, and they've obviously Notts, third, aren't they? The only second. problem about Wrexham got is they got money in January to spend. Yeah. Notts County have as well. Notts County worrying me on Saturday though is because they overrun midfield. And we get overrunning midfield quite easy if if you do it against. Yeah, I, I, I would go slightly different. I would still stick. I think we're at home, and I would. I, I feel like with with the level of, I think Saturday was again. I watched it. We weren't particularly good, and I don't think he was particularly good either. I thought we were we were very poor across all areas really, but I think Davison will start with Ali. I think we'll go four four two. I don't think Jackson has got the. Um, I wouldn't say the nouse. I don't think it's the right word, but I don't think he's got the gumption yet to be go right. We're gonna we're gonna show our hand to be uh, on the back foot against Tim Lonnos County. I think we'll go exactly as. I think the conversation pieces for me will be Nerfill. He was right on Saturday. Nerfill or Lemony Evans. Still concerned about the, the the sheer number of games that Tilly's played. Hasn't had a breather all year. Um, whether or not we kind of realise at some point we'll take a hit on one of these games. But I think the 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 Notts County followed by Gillingham away, that kind of passage of a couple of games is going to be a real um, a real test for us. And I feel I, I'm concerned about Notts County. I, I'm not quite as worried as you, but I'm not particularly confident of us turning them over because they've played some really good stuff. Mm. Um, and again, losing Biller and Bugiel is frustrating to lose them against Notts County but I guess out of Notts County and Gillingham I'd rather lose them against Notts County I'd rather go to Gillingham where I think we've got a much better chance of of success what's so out of those three two games what's uh, what, what, what what would you be happy the way to come away with two I, points three no, I think I think we need three I think we need okay. to win one. So you, yeah, gonna... Notts County, as I said, I, I, I'm going to predict a, a loss of 3-1 against Notts County. I think they just come out of the blocks. They'll be too quick for us. They'll overrun midfield, and I think we will, unfortunately, they're a good side, and uh, I think we will get overrun. Gillingham's the one I think we'll we'll do well against. Bugle comes back in because I don't think <laughs> Davison has got it for me at the moment. No. Uh, and I think we can possibly win that. My only worry is at the end of the week, we'll be on one point going into Ramsgate on the on the Monday after. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the... I think that's always going to be the concern and I think that it will be a good indicator as to where we're at as a squad. I mean, if we're if we're going to get four points and up, then you'd think that we'd be a top seven. We're a potential top seven team playing well, which is we'd be in form. I, I, I do feel like we're we're a sort of a, an eight an eighth to fifth, eighth to fourteenth type team. Uh, I don't think we'll be playoffs. I don't think we'll be anywhere near relegation. But it'll be interesting to see how the mentality and, like you said, I think it's a good gauge of where Jackson is as a as a as a manager and where we are as a squad. I w- I would be. Um, 
I'm going to be slightly more bold. I think we'll get a draw against Notts County. I think it will be, um, I think we'll concede, but I think we'll score. So I'm probably going to go for a Desmond, I think, on Saturday. And I think the Gillingham game will be a, a stuffy, stuffy nil-nil. So I'm going to go for two two draws, which isn't, it's just mad, isn't it, with football? Win one, lose one, you get, you know, three points and you'd be undefeated but and get if, to it. But I feel, I feel like we'll be two draws. On a positive note, if we do get two draws, what's that, five unbeaten? Because I'm not counting the yeah. Wickham game. So we'll be five unbeaten. So uh, yeah, going into is... an FA Cup game that you should hopefully win. And then we've got three winnable games up until Christmas. So I'm not... That wouldn't be a terrible result. I just think, unfortunately, we've got to look at realistically how good this league is. Ali's coming back from... Where's he been? Vietnam? Yeah, Vietnam. Uh, yeah. Did you see the young lad who's flew... I don't know if he flew all the way to Vietnam just to see Ali play. He was well, on Twitter. Uh, Wimbledon fan. No, he's a Wimbledon fan. said, I've flown yeah, to sure. Vietnam to see the Scouts uh, Iraqi. Opposite. But what I don't know if he lives that way and then flew to Vietnam. Like he lives in like down the road or something, and then he went there. But or has he flown from South London? Mad, whatever. But yeah, I think I mean, Ali, your, Ali's yeah, going to be tired, so he's coming back. And, and we said before, when he's come back from international duties, he has looked off it. Yeah, no bugle. Davison doesn't look the player that we need him to be at the moment. And that's why I said I'd push Little up. I don't think he will. And I said I think we'll just get overrun in midfield. I think they'll do a number on us, and they'll, they they can score goals for fun. They've, I mean, it's the start of a of a big month for some players. Who do you think it's a big month for, mate? Ogundi. Yeah, good shout. Bill is out, so Ogundi's got to come back in and and, and prove why he should be starting instead of Biller. Uh, Davison, it's a massive month for Davison. I think it's a huge. For, I think for Josh Davison, it's a it's a pivotal month because I feel like it's um, he's the kind of guy that's going to want to play football, and if he's not going to play football this month, I think that he is definitely someone that may look. I'm not saying elsewhere permanently, but he might be the guy who goes. No, I'd like to go and get some minutes somewhere, and I don't <laughs> think he'll get much in this league. No, but from a starting berth, so I don't I'm see it being that. Bigger month for anyone else, really, because Ball, I think he knows where he is at the moment. He knows he's yeah. behind two of the best players in that Lemony team. Evans, Brendan is on loan. I don't is think he it's a big month for him. Season, or? No, I think it was to January, but we can extend it, I believe. I don't think it's a big month for him because he's when he does play, he does play well. I think he's had yeah, one, bad, one bad game, but he's played. Also, he was outstanding. I think in the FA Cup against Cheltenham, he was outstanding. Uh, Nerfield could be a big month for him because he's dropped out of the team now, Evans, until he are in, until he's a starter for Jackson every day of the week, even though I find that mad sometimes because he has got dropped off form. But yeah, uh, Nerfield, maybe it's a big month for him. But the other players, the out like Browns and stuff, I just don't think they care anymore. And I don't I don't agree I don't with think the fans care. caring. But no, I feel no. like with Brown, I it's think not a big month though the, that he has. The to cards get are on the. De- oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think Brown and Pella are fighting to. I, I need minutes, or I'm going. I think I actually, they'll just gradually go somewhere else after. You just reminded me. I think actually it, it possibly could be a big month for Pell. You reckon? Because I think he could be off in Jan. Well, I, I, don't, I just yeah. don't know where he suits the team. I won't, looking at this game on Saturday, if he's fit, I don't think I don't know where he comes in. You can't play him as that number ten anymore. That's gone. That that. That's gone. Yeah. He, he doesn't get ahead of Ball and Reeves or Little in that midfield for me anymore. I don't think he even gets in above Morgan Williams for me when Morgan Williams comes back. He's the other one. I think it's a massive month and he's not even ours because I feel like he's, what was he? He just got what, player of the month, the month for, for Woking? By the fans as well. So, that's a, so that's a I feel like, and he, uh, I feel like it, the way that we've dealt with Morgan Williams is exactly what we should have done with Bendel. I feel like the way that that's been managed, going to get game time, I don't know whether Bender was different or not, I don't know. And the fact that he's at Forest Green not really playing, 
um, probably tells us all we need to know. But yeah, I, no, I think it, I think it's a fascinating week for us. Bearing in mind, it ends with Rams with Rams. Oh, I was going to say Ramsdale ends with the Ramsgate in terms of those three games. I think sets us up really, really well coming into the Christmas, if you like, the start of the Christmas period. Um, and like I said, for me, I would, I would bizarrely take two. I think I'd rather take the two points and not lose than um, lose lose one, win one. I know we'd be numerically better, but I feel like from a team perspective, we'd be better off not being there's, defeated. There's no excuses for the next two games because most of the boys have had a week off and the Wickham yeah. game weren't taken seriously. So, yeah, do you know what I mean? We we should be going into these games looking, but I just I do worry about Notts County. They're a decent side. I think they'll win the league this year. Or, well, they'll be thereabouts with Stockport. Uh, and you see what they've done to Bradford the other day. And Bradford ain't no fools in this league. No, they've they're got, struggling yeah, a little they're bit. Decent. got a brand new manager. So, yeah, they've got Cook still. Uh, is it Cook up front still, Andy Bradford? Cook, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're no mugs and they dispatched them easily the other day. And I just worry that that could be us on Saturday. But I hopefully I'm really wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not being negative for negative sake. I'm just being a realist on what I see in front of us on Saturday. No, that's fair enough, yeah. As I said, I think we could go to Linham and nick a 1-0 uh, because that's just what we do, so... I hate going to Gillingham as well. I hate it. I'm not a good bother. It's literally, the of all the grounds we go to, that is the worst one. Oh, by a country mile. I'll end up potentially going, but I can't stand, can't stand going to Gillingham. No, the scaffolding stands ridiculous. No, it's How it's still allowed after how many years? The whole thing is rubbish. No, no. I don't think they've sold us many tickets either. Looking at it, I think we've got that little corner on the right-hand side, which won't be great, but I won't be going. I'll be working. Yeah, we, yeah, Busy you, period, mate. We're probably on the same flight to Malaga, aren't we? Busy watching period. It. Same flight yeah, to Malaga, watching it. I'm out. Bobby's Spain, bar, I'm out in Spain Saturday, so. No, of course you are, yeah. Of course definitely, you are. definitely. Same here, see, yeah? Same yeah. bar? Same yeah, time? Definitely. All right, Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, again, thanks to Lewis uh, Taylor for coming on and uh, chatting to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, we'll get more ex-players coming on. Hopefully, we might even get someone like Mark White to come on and, uh, and speak to us. Oh, and Terry Brown, hopefully, will come on one day. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, we'll get them on. Uh, thanks to Gary Fletcher and the boys at Season Master for sponsoring this season's podcast. Uh, that's pretty much it for me, Danny. Anything you want to say before we go? Go, you tuds. Come on, you Wombles. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.